At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For almost a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. And we get to hear from you. This week, I'm talking with Petra Paredes, the author of Pie for Everyone and the head baker and co-owner of Petey's Pie Company in New York City. Petra, by the way, is Petey. It was her childhood nickname. I first heard about Petra's brilliant key lime meringue pie when my boss, Amanda Hesser, wrote me this email a little over two years ago, just a few days before my daughter was born. She wrote, In case you're looking for post-leave genius ideas, the product team served the most amazing key lime pie for a mini office shower. What was so great about it was there were no frills, just thoughtful layering of flavor, delicious lime curd, not too sweet, and it was topped with a salty, salty, exclamation point, meringue that was arranged in swirls and lightly toasted. I thought the salty sweet thing was Genius. All caps. <laughs> so Kristen here again. I am sorry that it took me so long to share this recipe with all of you. For one thing, that baby sort of erased the tape on everything else that was happening before she showed up. But also, every time I remembered the pie, I thought that I had missed the window on key lime season, which theoretically starts in June. But here's the thing. Petra actually prefers the juice of grocery store limes, as long as it's freshly squeezed and not bottled. And it's one of the few pies that they make and sell year-round at Petey's, even though they otherwise closely follow peak local fruit as it comes in and out of season near them. So you too can make this key lime style pie anytime you're in the mood and can get a bag of fresh limes from the grocery store. It will make a sweet, but not too sweet, creamy lime middle and the least intimidating, most forgiving meringue with just the right levels of salt and vanilla, more than you'd think that my boss was so smitten with. The recipe and video for how to make it are all on Food 52 today, but here we'll get to hear more from Petra herself about growing up in another pie business, her parents, called Mom's Apple Pie Company in Leesburg, Virginia, and how she tweaked her key lime meringue pie to be as good as, but still very different from her dad's. And stick around at the end of the episode to hear about a few of our listeners' favorite pies for hot summer days too. Before we get into the recipe, I was wondering, could you tell us about growing up working in your parents' pie shop and on their farm? Yeah. Um, so uh, by the time I was born, my parents had already been established in their business for a few years. And they went from selling um, uh, pies at the farmer's market to having this big, huge factory type warehouse space. Um, and when I 
think back on that, I'm like, oh man, what I could do with a huge space like that. But it's not a really a possibility <laughs> in New York. Um, uh, but yeah, when I was little, I spent a lot of my time in in my parents' business. Um, I, I wrapped the pies in the shrink wrapping machine. That was my job when I was little. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was older, um, like a, an older teenager and, you know, in college and, and working for my parents that I started doing um, like new recipes and stuff like that for them. Um, but, uh, they, they bought the, they bought the farm when I was 12. Uh, they had previously farmed before opening up their bakery, which is called mom's apple pie company. They've been around for over 40 years now. Um, and, uh, and they bought the farm when I was 12. So sort of returning to what they did before they opened up their, their, uh, pie shop. And, um, and that was like a whole, a whole, sh- you know, lifestyle shift for us, for sure. Like that, you know, working, um, you know, uh, picking strawberries and planting pumpkins and that kind of thing. Um, I'm, I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad that I have that experience because it really informed how I, um, how I think about food and how, um, I source my food for, for PDs. Got it. And you, did not go straight into pie making yourself. Um, did you always know that you would return to it or was that kind of a surprise that came along the way? I don't know. Growing up in a family business, you sort of feel like it's your, (laughs) your destiny that even if it's like, it's like some sort of like Greek uh, myth or something that uh, as much as you try to, uh, as as hard as you might try to avoid it, (laughs) your life will come back to that eventually. Like your fate is your fate. (laughs) And so, although my parents sort of, um, you know, they encouraged us to go and, and pursue our, educations and our interests and, um, and be creative in the ways that, uh, that we were called to, I know that they didn't really have any other plan for their business other than their kids to take over it. Um, and, and so it's really funny that, you know, sort of, I, I sort of avoided that by starting my own pie business. I avoided taking over my parents' business by starting my own pie business with my husband. Um, and, uh, and yeah, my, my siblings, um, the two closer in age to me, um, were, work in my parents' business. And it looks like my younger brother will probably, you know, keep it running in the future. Um, but I, I worked as a teacher for a few years and there were like times when I, I daydreamed about starting a business and, um, but it's something that I came back to when I, when I started dating my husband, we started talking about opening a pie shop just cause it, you know, something that I, you know, observed in New York, there weren't that many dedicated pie shops. And I knew that if something like the quality of my, my family's pies were, uh, were to exist around here, that it, that people would really love it. Um, so it was just like always in the back of my mind, but then, um, uh, we, I, I taught for four years, um, in New York city public schools. And, you know, I, I am a better, you know, bakery owner <laughs> than, than teacher in a bureaucracy. Um, uh, that's, that's, uh, one thing that is very true for me. So, um, so I'm, I'm much more in my element and it's something that I know how to do. Um, and, um, and that, you know, I don't, I don't end the day wondering if I, if I did it right. I know, I, I know what I'm doing <laughs> when I'm making pies. That makes sense. So you always kind of knew it was like, it was there for you if you wanted to come back to it in one way or another, but you wanted to try out some other stuff first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really am interested in in teaching. I'm really interested in sort of like 
in engaging with other people in that way, um, especially with kids. Um, but at the same time, um, it's a it's a really challenging job that that requires like really um, high level of organizational skills and and uh, and good emotional boundaries and all of this stuff that becomes really really uh, you know does a lot of emotional wear and tear um, and uh, and um, I you know, baking is a really simple job compared to that. You're, you're, um, engaging with the world in a really different way, but it's still, um, it's still a really wonderful and pleasant and fulfilling thing. It's interesting that you say that, um, being a teacher requires these organizational skills and, and emotional boundaries. That's, that's what I would have assumed about starting your own food business too. Yeah. I would say, I mean, well, you know, in terms of like managing personnel and like uh, working with people there there are certain you know boundaries that you have to like if you're an employer and you're you know um and you're not in inclined to be an authority <laughs> um you know uh it, it that can be a bit of a challenge and it's definitely a learning curve it's still um it's still really different from working within a bureaucracy you know i like have a certain degree of freedom and it in, um, you know, owning my own business that I, that I wouldn't have in terms of working in a, in a school, school bureaucracy. So it's just really different worlds. <laughs> so it, it sounds like you started your business in a similar ish moment to your parents starting their business in the, when, as I read in your book, your, um, your sister had just been born when they started, their pie company. Yeah. And within like a year of starting yours, you all also had your first child. Is that right? Right. Yeah. I, I realized I was pregnant about a month into officially opening <laughs> our, our brick and mortar store. Um, so <laughs> we, we were like, okay, well, this is happening. <laughs> we're going to do this. It was a lot at once, but, um, you know, we, I think we had envisioned it just being, you know, me and Robert, uh, you know, doing things maybe the first year or something, but we, we ended up hiring within uh, a month of opening. Um, and, and there was no problem with that. There was, it, it, it did make our lives easier. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, Oh, how do how do we do this? Because we, our very first employee ever was just a wonderful person. And so many things had gone right for us that, that were, would have been unreasonable for us ex- to expect them to. <laughs> um, and, and I feel really grateful for those things because I, I really think it, it just set us on this really great tra- trajectory. What are some of those things? Oh, I mean, hiring our very first wonderful mm-hmm. employee and, um, and, uh, and all of the people that we met through her and the sort of, um, uh, her name is Colleen. Hi, Colleen. <laughs> um, and, uh, all of the all of the people that that had come since, and um, and the sort of environment and relationship with them, um, and then just um, sort of opening up where we did, when we did. It was like the place that we could afford, but it ended up being a really great neighborhood um, to to open up a business in, and um, and uh, you know, not rushing to open our second location and and. Um, waiting till we found the right spot. And then it really, um, you know, we let that particular space sort of speak to us. And, and, and as far as like how, um, how we would, uh, run our business there, you know, it was like, we were looking for a big warehousey type space and then we found 
a place with a really nice kitchen and a really expansive um, first floor and a backyard. And it ended up being that, you know, uh, instead of just like a, a hub type location, like a, a really beautiful cafe that people really connected with and wanted to spend their time in. And so there were so many little, um, little nice fateful moments along the way that really, um, it, you know, helped us uh, move forward and like, you know, feel really like uh, uh, positive connections with, um, with our employees and our in the communities that our business is in. So you didn't end up with a factory like your parents. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think I mean, you know, my, my, back then my my parents my dad especially was just like really obsessed with efficiency uh-huh. and oh, imagine how many pies we could make <laughs> in an hour with this with this kind of equipment and that. And and I think that that's fine cuz what he wanted was something that was super high quality um it, available at grocery stores. But I think that what he didn't understand was how difficult it is to market such a thing and such a perishable product. Mm. Um, and, um, and that it's much easier to market that yourself. And so, you know, we, we find that now we don't do a lot of wholesale. We have a few selective wholesale things and, and we're really excited that we now do like a wholesale for Peter Luger. And so they sell our pecan pie, which is just, I don't know. I just love the Peter Peter Luger and PD's uh, <laughs> collaboration is just kind of cool. Um, and to be like part of this, like very, like, uh, you know, this iconic uh, uh, steakhouse um, menu is really fun. But um, but we don't do a lot of wholesale because our, our product is really fragile and really perishable. You know, our, our buttercrust, like what makes it good also makes it so that it doesn't travel very well. So it is better if we are the ones selling it most of the time. Um, and we now like sell um, sell pies on Gold Belly that are frozen and bake at home because the fruit pies simply cannot travel in their baked state. Mm-hmm. The the crush will get destroyed. It'll just be like a apple pie soup mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> but uh, but if you if you sell it frozen, then somebody can have it in their in their home, and it's like a really different sort of experience. Hey, it's Kristen. Are you enjoying this chat with Petra as much as I did? If so, head to the Genius Recipe Tapes and hit subscribe so you won't miss out on other conversations like this one. Like my recent interview with Nilifer Ichaporia King about her iconic cardamom cake, which happens to be the one recipe that Alice Waters says she can't live without. After the break, more from Petra all about how she made a key lime meringue pie that lives up to her dad's, but still manages to be completely different. Plus, a pep talk with a tip that I had never heard before about why we can all worry a lot less about messing up our meringue. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. 
can you just tell me the story behind this particular pie? Um, yeah, so for my key lime pie, I um, the challenge for me was just to make something that um, was as good as my dad's and then make it different. <laughs> um, my dad makes a really good key lime pie, but with just about all of my recipes, um, I, I have them a little more tart and a little less sweet. Um, I've always loved key lime pie. I like that it has that, um, like really rich, creamy, like the, the rich dairy flavor from sweetened condensed milk, which is just like, Mm -hmm. love sweetened condensed milk. (laughs) It's such a simple thing, but it's so delicious. Um, and, uh, and, and that it has that paired with the tartness from limes. I like it to be legitimately tart, especially because, you know, the, the sweetened condensed milk can make it pretty sweet. Um, so in, in order to be able to use extra lime juice, I also use a little extra egg yolk, uh, to, to firm it up so that I can, um, have it be nice and firm and have that really rich custardy texture without being overly sweet with the mm. sweetened condensed milk. And you, you talk in your book about, um, the difference between using key limes and using Persian limes and in this pie, either one would work. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I have tried it with pony limes or, or, um, you know, key limes or also the, you know, the kind of limes that you get all over Mexico. But I find that I, I love it just as much with Persian limes, um, which are the big, big, um, sometimes juicier limes. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people say that you can tell if it's made with real key limes, if it's sort of a yellow color, but that's also true with Persian limes. (laughs) Like it doesn't, it doesn't turn the filling bright green, um, Mm -hmm. or some weird inauthentic color, perhaps in another unpopular opinion. But yes, I, I think Persian limes are just as good and super tasty and, um, less of a pain in the neck to get a lot of juice out of. And, um, you know, we, we definitely squeeze the juice for, for the, for the key lime pie from Persian limes. But I, I guess I'm being a little loose with the definition and I decided that, you know, key lime pie is a style of lime pie (laughs) Mm -hmm. more so than, um, absolutely requiring key limes. So what would the flavor difference be if you were to use key limes versus Persian limes in the pie? To me, it simply wasn't noticeable enough, but there's a little bit more bitterness that comes from the key, the key limes. Mm, great. And the meringue specifically, mm-hmm. I have some questions about the style of meringue. Um, like it, it's, it's an Italian style meringue, correct? Yeah. Is that, yeah. how did you settle on an Italian style meringue? Um, I wanted to make sure that it was, um, that it was, somewhat um cooked um before we brown it in the oven being that it's not um in the oven that long um we don't we at the bakery we don't use a um you know a flame to 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 brown the meringue um to toast the meringue we put it right in the ovens on a high temperature and I find that that actually, it, it, it looks really nice that way and it cooks it enough so that there's like a con- consistent texture rather than it being like soft and gooey on the inside and uh, crisp on the outside. Um, it, that it's like, 
it's soft enough, but it's like sliceable. Mm. It's not going to fall apart if you slice it. Um, and then I realized like I would appreciate that method also as a home cook, um, just being able to like have a meringue that is nice and, and firm and, and partially cooked by the syrup before going in the oven. Um, that that's like a nice trick that I would like to have on, in my sleeve. I think that it, it, it doesn't weep quite as much. It's a little more, um, solidified that Italian meringue style before it goes on top of the pie and that that helps too. You know, I think I was one of those people who was intimidated by meringue and I knew there were different styles, but I never really saw, I never got into it, I guess, and never saw the benefit of really distinguishing the difference between Swiss and Italian and French style meringues. But once I actually made it with your pie, and and realized it made a more stable meringue and the one that I didn't have to worry if it was still raw inside. And you could even see like how steamy the meringue got after pouring in the syrup. It just, it made meringue not intimidating anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny that it seems like it's like a, like a more involved recipe, but then you're like, Oh, once you're doing it, it's, it starts to make sense and you see the results of it. And it's like, it's like really beautiful. Yeah, it is. Do you have any other tips for people who are scared of making meringues or specifically for this pie? Like what, you know, what they should be really sure to look out for and to do or not to do? Um, I would say with this pie in terms of like the in terms of the custard part I would say um it can be tempting sometimes to over over bake it but mm. there's um some natural degree of like of ways that lime the lime juice kind of just like quote unquote cooks the eggs that it, it helps the eggs um become so solid even without baking the, the egg yolks rather and so it needs a little time to firm up in the oven and to you know get to a certain temperature to cook the eggs however if you bake it past a certain point it changes the texture so um don't be tempted to over bake it it, it might still have a little bit of give um in the middle if you kind of wiggle the pie slightly fluid but once you put it in the fridge to chill it's going to firm up really nicely and have a like a gorgeous um custardy texture and yeah when it comes to comes to um the meringue you want to get to a, a nice sort of soft peak stage without beating too much air into your egg whites mm -hmm. um but I, over the years, have learned how meringue can actually be really forgiving. So if you do over whip it, you can just let it rest for a while and then re-whip it. And the results of like the second, like the re-whipping, you get this really nice dense meringue, dense and silky. Um, and like, it's like strong. <laughs> it's a stronger meringue. Um, uh, it, it takes a little more time to re-whip it than to whip it. Um, but the results are, are wonderful. They're really great. Wow. So how would you make that determination? How would you realize that you had over whipped it in the first place? And then how long would you want to rest it before whipping it again? If it's stiff to the point where it um, sort of like breaks instead of molding. So like if you were to tr try to do like a nice uh, swirly texture with the meringue, but it's not quite fluid enough to do that, you might have incorporated too much air into it. And then it's like this sort of like foam instead of like a more malleable, um, you know, silky meringue. Um, and in that, in that case, I would say, you know, let it sit for about 30 minutes 
and then re-whip it, it'll, it'll decrease in volume and it'll look like it's not going to work out. And then it'll start, if you keep going, it, the volume will sort of increase. And instead of a foamy texture, you'll have like a really nice silky, um, satiny texture. Wow. So this is after adding the syrup. Mm-hmm. Like you, this yeah. is when you're like about to put it on your pie. If it's not behaving, right. that's when you give it a rest and whip it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you find that you've like you've gone to from the point where it's like beyond stiff peaks and it's like a, a harder foam, then um, then I would say just chill. Uh, you know, uh, have a glass of wine and <laughs> and then and then re-whip it afterwards and um, and find that uh, it all is not lost. It's like a really rewarding thing when you're like because meringue is like one of those intimidating things um, that that you you don't think that you can do as a home cook sometimes or or as a as a novice. Um, but uh, but it's a little more um, forgiving than it would seem. That said, uh, all of the warnings about meringue, I think. That that's what scares people that there's warnings about meringue um, that you have to have really clean beaters. That's true. You can't get that initial volume of, with your egg whites if if uh, your beaters are contaminated with anything going in, any oils or particles of flour or things like that. You're not going to get the volume that you need from those egg whites. But if you if you do follow that instruction, you have really clean beaters and all that. Then you'll be all set, and uh, and you can even make a mistake and um, and rebound from it. And now, here are some of your favorite summer pies. This is Jared with a pie recipe from Brooklyn. This is my grandma's recipe handed down through my mom. Uh, you'd get some fresh rhubarb, chop it up, and make it into a sort of jam with some sugar and strawberries. Make a pie crust and then take some fresh strawberries and lay them out on the pie floor and then pour the hot rhubarb over it. Top it with whipped cream and then chill. So good on a hot summer day. Hi, Katie Quinn here, the author of the book Cheese, Wine, and Bread and co-host of the new Food 52 podcast network show, Either Side Eaters. And for me, cherry pie is where it's at. It's, it is summer to me. So tart cherries are what I like to use for cherry pie and they're Ripe season is very specific, only the you know middle end of June into early July, and they're really good from Michigan, which is where my husband's from, so it also makes me think of falling in love with Connor. <laughs> and these pies are delicious. Hey, I'm Brianna, chef and founder of Dope Girls Cook. Key Lime Pie is the best summer pie because it comes together in less than 20 minutes. It gives you a nice puckery flavor in your mouth. It's creamy and you really get the richness from that buttery golden crust. I love a good key lime pie, especially if it's topped with a fresh whipped cream. Yum! Thanks for listening and my thanks to Petra Paredes, author of Pie for Everyone and the co-owner and head baker at Petey's Pie Company for joining me today. You can now order their ready-to-bake frozen pies nationwide through Goldbelly. So I know what my husband, who wishes that all cakes were pies, is about to get for the big birthday he has coming up. Our show is put together by Coral Lee with support from Emily Hanhan. If you have a tip on a genius recipe for hot summer days, I would always love to hear from you at geniusatfood52.com. And if you like the genius recipe tapes, please do take a sec to rate, review, or even just subscribe. It really does help us out. 
Talk to you soon.